Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that asks that question. Netflix or cinema, which one are you going to spend your money on? Nowadays, we have the Oscars coming out, we have Netflix getting all these nominations. Are things changing? Are cinemas going to remain the way we know for a while? Let's find out. My name is Tosin and I am the host and I am based up in Coventry, well, near Coventry in the Midlands. And joining me on the Isle of Wight are Sean. Hello there. And Sharon. Hello. Ah, I switched it up. I said Sean's name first. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> caught me unawares there. Yes. I, <laughs> it, it, you think it caught you on? It caught me unawares. I didn't. Know, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> All right. Cool. For so those of you who might be listening to the podcast for the first time, what we do on Netflix for cinema is we go see a couple of things in the cinema, rate them out of five. See a couple of things on Netflix, rate them out of five. Put them up against each other in a number of rounds, usually three, today four, and then we get take an average, and at the end of the time, we say right. Netflix won this week or cinema won this week. It's a cinematic boxing match. And those, uh, if you've been listening to this usually, you'll notice that um, you notice maybe a bit of more of a brusque manner, a bit more business-like to me, to my thing. I've even asked Sean and Sharon how they are because today we do not care. And that, that is because, <laughs> and that is because that is because Sean and Sharon, you guys have to head to something that is making a long awaited waited comeback on the Isle of Wight. Isn't that isn't that right? Yes, it's a cinema quiz. Yeah, the cinema quiz. Our local quiz. cinema, they run a quiz. Well, they used to run a quiz every Thursday night. And they stopped it, oh, last summer. Um, and they started to give it a reboot. And so they're starting again this week. And because we were sort of some of their regulars, um, we thought, well, we'd better go. <laughs> Oh, well, hey, hey, look, I have a lot of affection for the Isle of Wight Cinema Quiz because that is where we actually met. That is it is technically the birthplace of uh, the Isle of Wight cin- or the cine world on the Isle of Wight is the birthplace of Netflix versus cinema. So I have a lot of affection yeah. for that. Do you guys know who's going to be running it this night? No, we think it's still Ben. ben but we're not it's sure. Probably Ben, I think. Thank you. Yeah, we've seen a lot of the hosts come and go because yeah. we've outstayed, outlasted yeah, them all. How many years has it been? <laughs> Loads. Thousands. Quite a few. Yeah, quite a few. At least eight, I think. <laughs> well, yeah. You make it like we're, we're like we're like a Robert De Niro and the Irishman. Things come and go, but we remain. We stay the same. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. So, well, well, say hi to them. Say hi to them. And uh, and if you see Dan, because Dan was the host when I first came along to the film quiz. If you see Dan, say hi to him. Hi, Dan. If you ever listen to this. <laughs> yes. Right. So, as I said, we are going to carry on and we're going to try and do something that we don't usually do and actually be, you know, straightforward with our timing and all that kind of stuff and go straight into it. So, I am just going to put a timer in and we are going to kick off with our first film. I'll tell you through the films we're going to be talking about. But on the cinema side this week, we have 1917, Bombshell, Just Mercy, Seaberg. Oh, and Seaberg. And then on the... Netflix and Friends side of things, we have The Bonfire of Destiny, Harlots Season 3, Vienna Blood, and Bojack Hawks Horseman Season 6. Right, we're going to kick off with uh, 1917, and uh, Sharon, I'm going to give you... Go ahead, tell us what this is about. Okay, this is set during the First World War, and the 1917 of the title is The, the Year. And this was the year that the German army retreated to, became, to what was became known as the Hindenburg Line. 
But when they first started, because they built this the fortifications behind their current lines, um, to because their current their front line was so vast, it was stretching them very thin. And so they did a strategic withdrawal to the Hindenburg line. And so basically this were dropped right in the middle of this when the, the Allies, the British and the Allies don't know what's going on. They just see that Germans retreating. Yeah. And some of the commanders along the front line think, hey, we've got them on the run. And they decide to do a big push. And the arc story starts basically with two Lance Corporals, Lance Corporals Blake and Schofield, when they're given orders to take um, a message to one of these regiments that's making this big push to say, actually, it's they're not in retreat. They've just retreated to another line. And if you attack them, you are going to find yourself in a whole heap of horrible trouble. And so we're sending new orders, this impossible order, to go and see if you can hold this planned attack and they've got basically something like 12 hours in which to do it yeah and the and part of this mission to fulfill these orders is to cross a part of no man's land um to go into one of these towns that has been occupied by the germans and to find their new front line on the other side of this you know battle basically and so that's what our story is it's set over the course of one day and you follow these two lance corporals as they set off from their British trenches and then try to find their way to the new front line. You see, now, Sharon, this is why I ask you to do this, because we know that, A, we will get, like, the historical context, because that was going to be my first question, because I know that you, your family was quite involved in, I think, or both world wars, and so you, you, know, yeah. you know quite a lot about that and all that kind of stuff. So thank you very much, Sharon. And now, Sean, I'm going to hand over to you, because I know you like your war movies, and you, you tend to watch all these things for things like authenticity, and, oh, have they got that right? And have the blah, 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 yeah. Harriers got the right you know hat on <laughs> you're exactly right you're exactly right yeah so okay I, I, so i hand it over to you for that yeah. okay well on that point it is it is pucker everything is pucker even down to the dog tags being baker light and octagonal and not your typical like american ones so i mean a lot of uh, I, I couldn't really fault anything in the way of equipment and all that yeah um uh there's one thing i, I thought they might have uh, during that time they obviously had motorcycles and they probably would have sent uh, a dispatch ride around I, I, but i totally forgive that because you know they might have done two or three things but to me this film wasn't really a war film it was a, more of a journey you know as yeah. a journey if you think of all and how it was shot and yeah. so many references to apocalypse now did you at the beginning <laughs> well I'm not, I'm not an apocalypse now fan I, so kilgore it, kilgore and the bit you know when he's in the town and there's all the it's all like psychedelic and all uh, like all the fire um, and all that yeah. kind of stuff yeah 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 when he's got hit and all that that was that reminded me of the dolan bridge and uh, i mean but at the beginning he says he actually calls twice it's mentioned kilgore well kilgore is uh robert devale's character yeah. and he's like yeah. a private oh what, what am i going to do with you kilgore so yeah it's like whoa i've seen this twice now oh wow. because and um so yeah i can't fault anything to do with equipment armor uh, maybe the planes were a bit strange, but um, it was just the way it was shot. Okay. It was okay. absolutely, absolutely incredible how it was shot. It was just like, all, all right, wow, so, this is this is a marvelous piece of filmmaking. Okay. Filmmaking at its best. All right, yeah. so so you just mentioned how it was shot, and a big thing was made about the fact that this whole film is shot, and it's made to look as if the entire film is in one shot. So you mentioned, uh, Sharon, you mentioned Schofield and Blake, and they're pretty much on screen yeah. for the end. Like, you, you follow them. 
if if it's yes. not happening with them, you don't know about it. And so you, they're, they're on screen for the whole thing. So I think I think um, Dean Charles Chapman and especially George Mackay do, are brilliant in this. But Sharon, okay, you told us what the film was about. What did you think about the film? Sharon has already waxed lyrical. <laughs> I, I, I loved it. I thought it was really good. I think, it for me, it didn't flag at all. Uh, you were with them the whole time. Because when I first read about this, the fact that you are... It's like this one's almost like a long tracking shot. How yeah. you they have these very long takes. I was thinking, oh, I don't know if I like that. But actually, I, I didn't even notice it beyond the first the first walk through the trenches. You you think, oh, go on, this is a bit different. And then as you get into the rhythm of it, you don't even notice it. That, that crazy, that the crazy fact, scene was incredible. Yeah, the fact that it's all the fact that you don't ever lose sight of them. They're, yeah. either, you, they're either in front of you or you're in front of them. They're either yeah. walking towards the camera or the camera's following them. So you never lose sight of our main characters. Yeah. And when you do, um, you know something awful is going to happen because <laughs> you normally have one of them. So one of them is always on camera. And so sometimes the other one is not. And you hear things and you, you don't see it because you're like one of the corporals is that yeah. you only see what they see. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just know I thought it's great film. I really, it had me completely engrossed. And yeah, I was with them. I was moved by it. I was engrossed by it. I, yeah, I'm, yes, I loved it. My only quibble was some of the officers were a bit sweary. I mean, I know that sort of, because you know, say all my family were sort of military. They all served their time, Yeah, all of them. And my family are just not a swearing family, even the old soldiers. The strongest my dad ever said was thundering. If he got really cross, he was all that thundering nuisance. And he would never, ever swear. None of my uncles ever, ever swore. So I find it a bit like when they say, oh, all these old soldiers, all this, they all swear. It's like my family. Well, but that's my only quibble because yeah. I don't like that. And yeah. I think, well, hang on, my experience of they, old soldiers is that they don't swear. They probably never do with family or anything like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I... I be exactly the same with that because they, they had certain standards, certain values. But if there was ever out in a group, trust me, they, they swear. <laughs> Even the paragons, the people think the paragons of virtue swear. Oh, okay. Oh, I, 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 I'm just saying my dad didn't. Oh, well, okay. That's <laughs> fair enough then. Yeah. So, anyway, but anyway, you know, I mean, because, well, yeah, there, there probably is people like that. But even, you know, as I say, when, I don't know. Call it man's world or whatever, but so it's, it's like me, you know. I mean, I can be both ways if I want to be. Okay. You know. well, well, anyway, but yeah. that's my only moment, yeah. tiny, tiny quibble. Mm. One of them, I just thought, yeah, hang on a minute. There's an awful lot of effing and jeffing going on here. Right, yeah. When I, when I, all the books I've read about it, I mean, they may filter it for a different audience, but I've read so many books and they weren't that swearing because in that the culture of the time was just wasn't part of the culture the way it is now um so that was just my my tiny little quibble that i was I, I, that sort of would take me out of the film in some ways because i was thinking oh that's very very you know <laughs> but that's just my only tiny quibble but i couldn't oh, fault the actual the mr. Darcy, i don't think mr darcy swore did okay, no okay okay, okay guys guys I, I we, we, technically speaking we're out of time to so to talk about this <laughs> or are you sure? Are you sure? Can't we give this one a bit longer and I'll cut down on bombshell or something? <laughs> <laughs> um, we can cut down. On what some... did you think, Tosin? What yeah, did what I did think? you think? What did I think? Well, I, I think you guys might have seen on Facebook, but I came out of the film and the first thing I wrote is, okay, this is the first film that I have seen in the last year that made me immediately think, okay, that deserves the Oscar. That yes. Because, yeah. because yeah. I know I know the the obviously I, I'm I'm into filmmaking and like you know I do a very 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 low level stuff of that for a living, but 
the technical stuff to make this film. You're like, how the heck did they do this? And so there's a bit of a way I'm just watching them going, how did they, how, oh my God. And there's a bit where you just realize we haven't cut. We haven't, it's just been like one shot. It's just been like one shot. There's, there's one particular bit where they, they go into like a sort of trench. They go into a trench and there's like a massive puddle at the bottom of the trench and the camera follows them into the trench. Then it goes along the water as they are walking along the side and it comes back up the other side. Uh, and I'm like, that's what I was, that's, that's what I was talking about. The shell crater, that yeah. shell crater. That was, uh, that was, that was amazing. That yeah, was, I, I just kind of like, well, how on earth are they? And the fact, and I think that usually when you have a film that says, like, I remember there was a film called Lady in the Lake made in the sort of black and white MGM gold glory era and the whole the thing about that was that it's all done from a first person perspective so the entire film is done from the point of view of this detective and i remember that after a while it feels a bit gimmicky and you're like but in this film they managed to have well, a gimmick if you want that does not feel like a gimmick that that actually has a point to it and like you said sharon it's like you're it's like you're there like you're one of the privates in there as, as they're going through all this stuff and it ends up being quite immersive and for something that's like you know that is essentially one shot or made to look like it's one shot, I'm I was surprised at how much they got into it. I was like, how the mm-hmm. how did that what, he, the bit where he's in the water? How did you do that? And and the bit where everything is blown up around him, that's all they watch. And then he goes down into the trench and he goes into the place. And and I was I was just in awe. I was quite frankly in awe of this film. And I love the fact that because of the way of the film, because you're following these guys, it enabled you to do the whole thing where. They walk into this room. They meet this person. Oh, well-known British actor. He plays this role. He's there for five minutes. They go. You, mm. never, you never see him again. <laughs> they, go and they go somewhere else. Well-known British actor. There for five minutes. You never see him again. And I, uh, but I thought that the film was actually really, really affecting. I thought that the performances were really good as well. I mean, I think, yeah. I think, I think the central performances, it's the fact that the first time you see Schofield and Blake, I, I feel like almost within... 30 seconds they've told you who these people are they don't give you like a whole bunch of backstory that oh this person has this thing at home and this person is waiting for they don't give you a lot of that but you sort of know these characters you look at one of them and one of them has almost sort of like this sort of shell-shocked thing throughout the whole film and the other one is kind of like you know a little bit more of a cheeky chappy and i I just thought that the performances were great and filled in a lot of the space that the film doesn't give you space because it's like, look, we've got to, we've, we've got to move on. We've got to move on. We've got to, and it doesn't waste time setting things up. It just throws you straight into it. And even though I am not as big an Apocalypse Now fan as you are, Sean, I have to admit, I did think this is a little bit, it's like an odyssey. This film is not really, it is. it's not really to, a war film. Me, it's, it's, an, it's an odyssey. I mean, there, there were some lucky shots in it in certain places and, and you know, which which I could have, if I'd have been on, if I'd have had a different mode of head on, I could have said, mm, that's incredibly lucky, all oh, this, that and worse. All that. <laughs> but to me, to me, it was, it was a journey. It was a, you know, a journey, an odyssey, if you like. Yeah, you yeah. know, an odyssey of like, like, you know, like Homer almost, you know. I think it has a lot in common with like, you know, the Greek yeah. things like Odysseus. Yeah, with Odysseus and all the people he met yeah. on the way. Yeah, yeah. but, and, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I ah, yeah. So ratings, yeah. what do you rate? Well, I, I, it's, it's got to be five star from me. And, and I'm going to say hands down, it is by far the best thing I have ever seen Sam Mendes do. Yeah, I think it's it's the best one he's ever made. Actually, as far as I'm actually, I'll tell you what's quite funny today, and it'll probably be on late tonight, half past eleven tonight on Radio Four. But at half past four, they have the film program on. 
Yeah. And it was talking about, and they had the, you, you probably need to listen to it. They had the um, cinematographer on uh, talking about. Oh, Roger, did it. Roger Deakins. So a, Roger Deakins. He is, he is on there talking. So he, I'm sorry, uh, but if he doesn't get the Oscar for best cinematography, I don't know what will. <laughs> I, he's been robbed. Yeah. Well, but he's on the film. He's on the. He's on the film program, which is repeated tonight about eleven or past eleven, something like that. Well, I'll thing, probably be tucked away in bed. Well, the thing about the thing is uh, with Roger Deakins is that he, because you know he he's got like you know the record for the most Oscar nominations without winning. He's yeah. Been, he's been nominated something like thirteen times before he finally won one for um for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. And I think it's going to be a bit like, you know, London buses. You wait ages for one. <laughs> because if he doesn't get this, the Oscar for cinematography, be, I haven't seen any other film this year that matches it. That matches no. that what you think about what had to go into making these these sort of like landscapes, like the bit where they're in the city and the whole city's on fire. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, so, it's and, good. Yeah. So anyway, Sharon, what would you give it? I would give it a very high four i would say it's not perfect for me but it's it's up there so i would give it a high high four yeah okay so sharon says sean says five sharon says four yeah it's uh, gotta be oscars all the way well i yeah, i think this is as i said this is the first one that i've seen this year i mean somebody was like somebody kind of like uh when i said first film that i think deserves an oscar uh, she, someone, uh, one of my friends, Tandy, who is in Australia, she was like, "Oh, Joker," and I was just like, "No, no, don't, don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't even do that. Don't even." Does it really compare? It does not even compare. I, I, I know a lot of people like that film. Quite frankly, I'm baffled, but, um, but yeah, it doesn't even compare. I just thought that this, this deserves, and I was worrying about it. I was like three, five. Th- I, and I think purely because I came out of the cinema going, okay, that's it. Just give that film deserves the Oscar. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to flip over into a five. Cool. <laughs> I'm <gonna> flip. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that is um, 1917 gone. As you can imagine, we could talk a lot more about that film because the film is awesome. Just go watch the film. Go watch the film and get in touch with us on Twitter or Facebook or something and tell us what you thought as well. Because honestly, it is um, the film's a marvel. Uh, now we're going to go into Netflix, and uh, we're going to talk about something called the 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 bonfire of destiny, which I keep calling the bonfire of density. But <laughs> but that is um, on Netflix. Yes, and you I, saw it. Sharon. I have to take this one. Yes, I yes. saw this one. So I'll tell you a little bit about it. Again, it's um, like the last film. It's based on true events. This, I think, Bonfire of Destiny makes it sound a little bit soapy, um, but the actual, it's a French drama, and the, the French drama is entitled Le Bazaar de la Charité. Um, basically, it's based on a real event. There was a fire in 1897 in Paris um, where there's this bazaar a charity bazaar as in the name the, the bazaar de la charité it's uh, run by the local catholic community and it was set up in this basically it was like a prefab building sort of wooden with plaster um with a with a, a stone facade at the front and there were there's only one way in or out <laughs> and they had a an early prototype Cinematog- cinematography booth where people could see like the the early films. Yeah. And there was basically a fire started in this booth and it spread ferociously very quickly. And in the ensuing panic, 
uh, something like 136 people were killed where they couldn't get out of the building. And the the majority of them were women. (laughs) And a lot of the aristocratic men who were with them and the bourgeoisie, as they were called, who were with them, they managed to get out, but their wives and their daughters didn't. It wasn't unique. It wasn't entirely women who were killed. There were a number, a couple. Of, there were a few men were killed, but it was something like six men to 130 women. Oh. And this drama is about basically it's taking the lives of three women, and how they were affected by the fire. One of them is like a matron. She's married to this really domineering politician and you see the story through her eyes and then you see her niece who is this sort of young ingenue and she's there with her fiance and her family and then there's her maid and you see the drama as it's in eight parts as it it's the first episode is the fire and then you see the consequence of this and it goes into the politics and it goes into the scandal and goes into their their lives and one of the the real facts about this fire is that some people from the cafes nearby basically smashed in windows and went into the building and dragged some people out and they made a hole in the walls. Whereas a lot of these, you know, the wealthy and the privileged men fled for their lives. The the chef and the cook from next door and some of the busboys, they were the ones who sort of went in and risked their lives to bring out others. So and there is an element of class in this, an element of, you know, there's... Um, they're called the anarchists. So there's this sort of political movement. So you look at, you get a snapshot into the life of Paris at the end of the 19th century and yeah. the lives of these women and how, um, yeah, how this unequal society, how it was sort of basically shone a light on the fact that how unequal the society was in those days. So that's basically basically it. Yes, it's an eight-part drama. It's in French with subtitles, um, and it follows the lives of yeah these three women and, and the events after this bonfire this fire all right so you know a bit like how you were talking about 1917 and how well for, from what you're saying you like with the language they were using it sounds like they've made a film set then but um supposed to speak to people now because that's the way most people speak now um yes would you this what you're talking about this like the whole sort of the class level and everything like that it seems to be a bit timely um we, we know how people are talking about class divides all over the world and all that kind of stuff would you would you say would you say that it's kind of something like that that's been made about that time that almost like you know the more things change the more they remain the same or however you say that in french well yes yeah absolutely because you see the the people who are the most most um courageous and who showed the most sort of character in there are not the people who've been who educated and who've been raised in privilege but often it's people who formed their own sort of moral standards and it's almost a bit they're the Grenfell-y. ones who sort of came out better of it it's a bit so what sorry Grenfell like you know Grenfell Tower yes yeah how they were yeah so yes it's got they've certainly got those elements but when you see one of the, the rescuers of one of the characters is part of this sort of anarchist group and when they talk about anarchy they basically talk about you know they want the right to vote and they want to have um, free education and things like that. So their sort of radical ideas are not that radical <laughs> to our minds. But in but in these things, you do get sort of murders, you get romance, you get 
sort of family tensions and politics and all sorts of things all tied up in it. So it's not just the simple story. It sort of takes a, this sort of historical premise and then builds a drama upon it. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, it's really, it's, I thought it was, you know, I like, really enjoyed it. I thought you, if you don't like subtitles, then it's probably a known starter. But I, I don't mind subtitles or foreign language films at all. And I, I just found it, yeah, it, really engrossing. I really enjoyed it. All right, and um, you you started talking about the women in the in the program. So does it does yes. it is it really does it does it really look at that whole well sexism back then or something like that? Because obviously there's certainly elements that one of the girls, one of the women, the young girl who's like she's just making her debut in society, but she's engaged. Yeah, and you see her. She's been raised in a certain way with an expectation that she'll marry the the men, the man that her parents have chosen her, and in. And this is the first time during this incident where her fiance basically leaves her in the fire and the man who rescues her is one of these anarchists and she becomes drawn to this anarchist. So she suddenly sees um, a different a different perspective. She's no longer content to just do what she's told anymore because she can see that the man that's supposed to was like supposed to protect her, her fiance, left her. And yeah. the man who came into the fire and saved her is this sort of you know peasant who's supposed to be beneath her and is supposed to be without honor and without dignity yeah. whereas he's the one who was the most courageous and so she turns her world upside down as it does with all these women so yeah you certainly see um how it's the beginning of like almost like her liberation <laughs> in that she sees that the life she's lived is not necessarily um the, the, the ideal the she that she thought it was yeah and all the ones she wants yeah yeah all right, cool. So how many stars would you give it? So I would give this a, a high three. I think it is, yeah, it's a good drama. Um, yeah, I would definitely give it a high three. All right, yeah. Okay, now that's going on my list. Seen as ever, ever since Charlie's Angels, I am now, I now consider myself woke. So... <laughs> <laughs> As Christian so woke to the to the issue of women in women on screen, right. but the first episode is absolutely stunning. I have to say, the fire, it's, I almost felt like traumatized afterwards. Oh, they, wow. The way they filmed it was absolutely um, terrifying and engrossing. You can imagine just the horror of it, um, of the, this this event. So I would say, yeah, even if you don't want to watch the whole series, watch the first episode because I've never seen a sort of film fire done in such a way that you really feel for the sort of fear that the people would have felt trapped in this building mm. um so yeah but yeah i would get yeah, well worth a watch definitely awesome thank you and now we go back to cinema and sean you now this is where we we get to feel a bit like we're actual like you were just talking about the film program or something like that this, yeah, this, that's this, it. this is where we, we get to feel like we're actual like you know journalists because we're talking about a film that has not been released yet that is not on general <laughs> And the next two I think it's released tomorrow, isn't it? It is released I tomorrow. Think out, yeah. I, yeah, so, I think it's released tomorrow, so yeah. Instead of saying we saw this in the cinema, you can go see it in the cinema, hurry up, it's almost out of the cinemas. We can say, <sighs> by the way, this weekend, for your viewing pleasure, you might want to see Bombshell. So, sure. Bombshell, yeah. Sean, you saw this at a, at a, at a Cineworld preview. So, tell preview, us. Preview, I did, yeah. And so, okay. Yeah, tell us about Bombshell. Okay, Bombshell is basically the story of Fox News. Everybody's heard of Fox News, haven't they? And um, it's where these women finally, you know, with like all the Harvey Weinstein and all the, the me too. Me, me, that's it, me too, yeah. yeah. Well, they decide because of certain things, it starts off with, with one of the women, um, you know, she, she gets a bit 
uppity about. I mean, it's in the trailers anyway, but she gets a bit uppity because it's mentioned that, you know, called, she's been called a skirt and a few things like that. So she decides to make a little bit of a stand and she, she pops in to see these uh, attorneys, obviously, and they say, well, it's all right, but do you think there's going to be any more people that will come forward? You know, are there going to be any more people? Because just saying what you're saying on your own is, um, you know, you're not going to get you anywhere or anything like that because obviously these these big news networks, are, uh, you know, pretty powerful people. You've got some pretty powerful people at the top. So, yeah, it's basically the story and then certain circumstances happen and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there's there's uh, like a, a news reporter who is absolutely like at the top of the game. You know, one of them's at the top of the game. Megan Kelly. And, yeah. Megan. And... Is it Megan Kelly? Yeah, Megan Kelly. Yeah. So and uh, so she decides that that that's that's what she's going to do. So it all comes down to this. So you've got it's it's very much. I mean, if, if you like your politics, if you like things in politics, I, I think it's quite a good movie to watch. I mean, it's done by the makers of Spotlight, which I thought. Did you see Spotlight? Sharon? I did. Spotlight, Spotlight yeah. was great. Yeah. Um. So all these type of films, and I mean, the the the. The acting is absolutely first class, really, I think. I mean, hats off. I mean, these are like, um, well, Mar Margot Robbie can't do anything wrong for me. Um, <laughs> I think she's brilliant in anything. She's like my fave, you know? Yeah. Everything from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to Tarzan. She's so versatile. Harley Quinn, just all of them. She's she's like absolutely brilliant. And then you've got Nick L. Kidman, who, uh, you know... She I, looks I, a bit weird. Is that just yeah. because she's been made up to look like the actual... No, it's Charlize Theron who looks weird. No, oh, I thought they both looked weird. Yeah. But <laughs> have they been made up then to make themselves yeah, look because, more like these because, real women? Because Megan Kelly, who Charlize Theron plays, is actually a very, very well-known person, and she has a very, very so like distinct look. And Charlize Theron has prosthetics on her face to look more like Megan Kelly, and it is actually quite shocking what they've done. She does look quite a bit like Megan Kelly. She's known because okay. because Fox News obviously is known as like the conservative thing, and Megan Kelly is a bit of a hate hate figure for the left because she keeps saying all these things, and people are like, "Oh, for goodness' sake, what's wrong with you? You Republican, this and that." Da, 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 da. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so yeah, um, yeah. So Megan Kelly is well known, and Charlize Theron plays her. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, Sean, Sean, you were so I mean, and she's she's like my she's like my second favorite actress after Margot <laughs> Robbie. So I mean, that is Charlie. Yeah, Tehran is just. I mean, I loved her. I loved her everything from Mad Max Fury Road to. I think she's been the best, best evil queen in the history of cinema. Oh, I think. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah, the, yeah, the film wasn't particularly good, but Snow White and the Huntsman. Well, that's it. She yeah. was just hateful. So. And I mean, monster. She was a monster, wasn't she? Mm, so yeah. I mean, she's she's great. So you, I mean, I mean, you've got a powerhouse cast here. Yes. And even I yes. mean, I I didn't realise that Fox was owned by the Murdochs, yeah, by Rupert is. Murdoch. It is, yeah. And you've got Malcolm McDowell playing Robert Murdoch. And I'm not kidding. He is. I, I well, I mean, perhaps he's got prosthetics. Perhaps they've all got prosthetics, but he looks the spit of. <laughs> Rupert Murdoch, he looks absolutely like you know. It's like oh, that's oh, cool. that because, is... because I haven't seen Michael Modell on any in anything for ages. It's good to see him back. Yeah. So so um yeah. So it's basically the story and and there's a I think it's in and also this is in the trailer is the scene. There's a scene in the lift when because they don't really know well they they're aware of each other or two of them are aware of each other. Perhaps the other one isn't, but the other one knows you know obviously knows who they are and you've got them in the lift you've got the three of them in the lift where they 
and you can just sort of see and uh, I mean to me that is, a, that is an absolutely brilliant scene because you don't know you know if there's a bit of jealousy there or mm. what's going on or so so so, so okay so Sean you, you were mentioned you said from the makers of Spotlight and Spotlight a great yeah. film and it's it's pretty much yeah. just a procedural that okay this is how we went from this point to finding out these people and exposing these priests who had who, who had done yeah. all these abuse and the cover by the Catholic no, Church. So is, it, yeah. is Bombshell a bit like that? But it's kind of like, okay, cool. This is how we had the Me Too moment in Fox News where okay, this yeah. is how it started off. This is where we went through. And this is how we got to the point where we took down this man who had been using his position to abuse all these women. Yeah, that's that's That's... That's about the sum of it, I think. Toast is, um, it is, you know, it's it, that's a story. Yeah, and from what from what I hear, it isn't too straightforward. Like you know, you were talking about the different women and about how the like you know, there's bits about the different women and how they come in from different angles. Where, how, what, ask the question whether some of the women were complicit in the abuse or complicit in the cover up of the abuse and stuff like that. Does it go that that way, or is it just kind of like women right, man wrong? Probably more women, women right, man wrong. But okay. um, I would say, yeah, there's not, they, they don't, I mean, yeah, there's not, it's not really much of a cover up. Uh, you know, they're not, they're not trying to cover up. It just sort of snowballs into something that, that becomes, you know, something really big and, and quite uncontrollable. So certain things have to happen. Hence, you know, the Murdoch's getting involved. So, you know, so yeah, and John is it John Lithgow? Yeah, yeah, he's, John Lithgow. yeah he's he plays, one of them. I've seen him in the trailer. He plays Roger Roger yeah. Isles, who's the main yeah. guy who who set up Fox News, and this is pretty much what brought him down. Yeah, yeah. Well, it it, it would have done so, but yeah. So I would say that you know this to me this film, you know, I would have to say it's probably for me this would this would probably be a three star. I'm not going to say it's um but a high, again a high three star. Not not but the the acting from the the three main protagonists is is um is spot on, you know, and as I say they uh, they're just great. They're just great. You know, I could watch watch those guys all the time really. Yeah. And and quite a good supporting cast, you know. Uh, so yeah, but it's not it's not like a it's worth a watch. It's definitely worth a watch if you like that sort of film. Okay. Uh, all right, look, you see, the, the thing is, I, I, I would, I'm, I would, I'm actually looking forward to watching this film next week when it comes out because I reckon, for me, this film, I look at this film and think this film should be at least a four. So I, so, so I would be interested to watch it and see, and see, well, how, how, uh, how opinions, if they do, if they do differ, I'll be interested to see that. All right, thanks. Yeah, it would be, would, would, would be quite interesting that. As I say, I'm going to try and see some other stuff as well. So I'll, I'll try and catch up on some of the stuff you've seen. Yeah. Well, I think, I'll tell you what, there's something on Sky or Now TV at the moment called The Loudest Voice, which is about this same guy, Roger Isles, who, um, but he's played by Russell, the character that John Lithgow plays, but he's played by Russell Crowe. And I think it's it's about the same thing. It's about how he came down. Russell Crowe just won an award for pe- playing him. And I, I, yeah, I won actually, the Golden Globes, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he won one of the Golden Globes. And I would actually like, quite like to put them to beside each other and see, like, it'll make an interesting double bill, Bombshell and the Loudest Voice. But, uh, okay, now we go back to Netflix and Friends to watch a show that only Sharon has seen with a title that, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest, Sharon, I'm a bit surprised that you're the one who's seen this. <laughs> this is a show called Harlots. Which I've always, yeah, I've always seen the, I've always seen the title and thought, what, what, no, I'm not watching that. So, 
Uh, but seeing as this is season three that you're reviewing, I think you have actually been with this show for a while. So tell us, explain yourself. Yeah. Explain yourself. It started, off on, uh, it started off on ITV, actually, just a, a television drama. And basically, as it is described, it's, described, it's the, about the lives of a group of prostitutes mm-hmm. who um, in, the, in 18th century London, where at that time in London, one in six women was a prostitute. Uh, because basically your options for you were either married you were in service or you were a prostitute <laughs> you didn't have many options uh, so this basically is the story of a group of harlots as they were called and it's based on a book that was published at the time um, I think it's something called something like Covent Garden's Guide to Harlots and every prostitute within the sort of the, that square mile um, were rated by this one particular punter no who way. basically were yeah, he described them and their sort of attributes and their capabilities, as it were. And he basically rated them. And this is a genuine book that you can still get hold of the, the sort of facsimiles of it. But it, but in the beginning, the very first series, you basically meet, you you sort of step into this world of what it was like to be a a, a harlot in those days, and you realise that there is, as with all these things, there is a hierarchy that you have got, um, if we start at the bottom and go up, at the bottom you've got basically women who sell their wares on the streets to sailors at the docks and to anyone on a street corner. They are regarded as being like the common trolls, as they were called. Yeah. And then a step up from that is if you actually were part of a boardy house. And a boardy house, as opposed to a brothel, a boardy house is actually run by women. And the boards are ex-prostitutes themselves who then run their own houses so they don't have they're not pimped they are the women are running these these boardy houses yeah and then alongside those you've got molly houses and a molly house is a house that is run um for basically the homosexual trade so you've got uh, male prostitutes were called mollies and and uh, so you would have um houses basically that would, would be just they, they would disguise themselves as women um, so that it would look like a boardy house, but actually, um, if they catered for men with male prostitutes, then there were yeah, body houses. Hang, hang on, hang on, that, hang on. Use... need to take some notes. <laughs> this is getting complicated. And I'm just, this is just like a basic social history lesson. And then above that, you have the demi-monde. This is really interesting. And then you've got like, a, you have then... What's the, the demi-monde? The demi-monde is basically where you are a prostitute still, but you move within society. So you have a place on the fringes of like polite society. Oh. So you can go to balls, you meet the politicians of the day, you meet the aristocracy, and they tend to be kept. Now, a kept woman is basically someone who is... There's a contract between their keeper and the and the Correct, escort, yeah. and they have their their they're given an allowance, they're given clothes, and they're given somewhere to live. And so that's a step up from being part of a boarding house. Yeah. And then the the proper demi monde is basically if you become the mistress of a mistress, uh, rather than just courtesan. And then you basically you're fully immersed in in someone's life. So. Uh, the king's mistresses will be completely accepted in society and their children would be acknowledged as the children of their keeper or in in the king's case. So they have a place in society of their own. Yeah. So you've got this sort of like hierarchy. Yeah, carry on. Yeah, I was just going to ask. So just because I know that we're running out of time here. So we have all this kind of stuff. My main thing with this show, with a show like this is how does it keep from becoming just kind of like, you know, salacious and exploitative? Well, it, there is there are sexual scenes, but you know, going back to my old code of contact, well, there's no nipples in it. <laughs> it's actually 
it's actually quite you can see often you see there like these bored women's expressions as this man sort of you know does what he has to do um and so it's all about it's all from the woman's perspective and yeah. it's actually fantastic drama and in season three you have like a good guys and you have the bad guys and the good guys are basically this one group of boards who um the wet live in the wet have the wells family and then you versus um olivia quigley who's basically the worst type of of madam yeah where she will she will and there's Along running alongside this, there's a group of men that call themselves the Spartans, and they're very much based on the Hellfire Club, where basically they get their kicks out of sailing on the edge of what's legal, and it goes beyond that. So they 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 have they take pleasure in abducting young maids and drugging them, and then their 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 virginity is auctioned, oh, and God. the Spartans regard themselves as being like take first blood you know they say they, they get kudos from that and then they they're ultimately they become a spartan when they kill someone and so you've got alongside this sort of the story of these boards you've got this sort of drama alongside where the some of the prostitutes want to protect these sort of maids and some of these all just ordinary girls from being dragged into this life that they they wouldn't recommend necessarily yep. and then you've got olivia quigley who's basically staying one side of the noose basically because she has colluded in the, the abduction and the rape and murder of of innocent young girls and she does sort of if she is a keeper of secrets so she does bribe people and blackmail people and so you've got is this is this intrigue there's drama there's crime there's lust there's love there's fear there's there's it's, it's all in here this is probably I think I just I read one review and they said this is the best drama that you've never heard of. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Never. <laughs> I think, you give I think me a whole history lesson then. I mean, that's it's about. absolutely engrossing. I yeah, watched really. all three seasons, and because you think it is going to be salacious, it's all going to be like, well, hey, get your kit off, love. It actually isn't. There, it's you, there's a lot of sex scenes in it, mm. but the most you see is like some buttocks and a, a suggestion of nudity, but you don't see anything. Is there? What I was going to ask you is it like? Does it get samey? Because I thought Peaky Blinders got samey. It was really, really good to start. A little off, bit, because Willa Quigley is the the main sort of villainess. Oh, right. And every time she sort of dodges the news, she's like going, "Oh, for goodness sake, just hang her." Oh, right, okay, yeah. So that can be you get a little bit fed up with her. But the fact that she claws her way up from she's committed to Bedlam at one right, point, right. and the fact that she sort of claws her way back out of Bedlam. Uh, and you see what Bethlehem was like. You know, we tend to think of it as like the Bethlehem Hospital. We tend to think of it as just being. Um, uh, well, I don't, we, don't, we don't think of it in real terms, and this sort of shows you just how dreadful it actually was. That people would pay to come and watch the people being fed or being um, treated, and this treatment is a little short of torture or yeah. molestation. So I would, I would. It's a great drama. I really would rate it. How many stars would you give it? I'd give it a four star. All right, four stars for harlots. That's one of those harlots. Mm -hmm. one of those words. That's that interesting. You, it's one of those words you can't think about too hard before you say it, because I'm like harlots, harlot. Har yeah. har <laughs> you, you can't think about it too yeah. hard before you say it. All right. And the, it's been interesting. Actually, just one last word on it. And the third season, particularly, it goes does dip into the world of slavery, anti-slavery, and the role that um black people played in 18th century London how there's Ooh. a lot of like there's a lot of, lot of emancipated slavery and also people who were brought into England as like small children to become like pages and stuff what happens to them when they grow up so you see a whole sort of line of this 30s particularly you do see a lot right. about um 
the, the early movements are towards you know emancipation and of the abolishing of the slave trade okay. and you still get a different glimpse of 18th century London through the eyes of some black characters as well so I for me that was really interesting because I'm aware of things like the Zong case but this like takes you into what happens to like, the Piccaninnies as they were called not a word we use now but what happened to them is they're in the portraits of people but what happened to that child when they grew up well in Harlots you find out so I would yeah four stars for me all right okay cool you know how to you know how to you know how to press my buttons, Sharon. I'll say that. Yeah. Not, not, not. And going going from talk about um, one experience of black people to another film that has experience of black people. Now, this is going to cinema, and we're talking about Just Mercy, which is also out this weekend, which we can tell you what it's going to be like. Now, this is a film that is based on a true life story. It is. It stars Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Lee, uh, Jamie Lee Fox. What? <laughs> Jamie Lee Fox. No, Jay, it stars Michael Jamie Jordan. Jamie Lee Fox. That's like a Jimmy Ram and John. It stars Michael Jordan, uh, Michael B. Jordan, and Jamie Fox. And it's um, this is based on a true story. So it's uh, uh, it's one of those films that it's essentially based on a true story about a black man who gets unfairly uh, fairly accused. And it's a good film. However, the problem with this is that I feel like this is a certain type of film and that if you have seen if you've seen some films, you've seen this film. Like Sean, I know you saw Marshall with Chadwick Boseman. Marshall, yeah. about Thurgood Marshall. And if you've seen Marshall, you've seen this film. And if you've Right, okay. And, yeah, and if you've seen When They See Us, you've seen this film. And it's and Although, even though that's the case, I still think that films like this need to be made because the fact is that Marshall, I mean, that's Thurgood Marshall. That's set in the, I think it's set, I think it's set in the 50s. That's set in the 50s. Mm. And then mm. this film is set in the 80s. It starts in the 80s, goes into the 90s. And it's the same thing. Oh, wow. that's ha- and it's the same thing that happens. Same thing that happens again. So essentially, even when, when you look at the case in Marshall and the case in this, it's pretty much uh, Michael B. Jordan plays Brian Stevenson. Who is a he's a Harvard educated lawyer. He comes out of Harvard Law School, but he decides instead of going to like work for a big massive law firm, what he wants to do is he wants to help people who have been wrongly convicted on death row. So he goes to Alabama where and his mom is like really scared about him going and he's like, You know what they're like in Alabama. Like there's just racists down in Alabama and they could kill you for like, you know, looking at looking at them funny and all that. But he says, no, I want to go down to Alabama because there's been pe- there's people who have been unfairly convicted and he wants to represent them properly. So he's gotten some money from the government to set up something called the Equal Justice Initiative. He goes down there and he meets Jamie Foxx's character called Walter McMillan, otherwise known as Johnny D, who has been who has been arrested and sentenced to death, even though all the evidence says he didn't do it. Like at the time when he was supposed to have killed this 18 year old white girl, he was actually at a, bar- a family barbecue and there are 30 different um there's 30 different witnesses who, witnesses who said mm-hmm. yes he was at the barbecue including a policeman but because they were all black they all got ignored and then they take the they take the um they take the what's the called the testimony of a white career criminal who says yeah he was with me he made me drive him all that kind of stuff i saw him kill this woman and they lock him up and send him to jail even though all the evidence says he did not do it that there is no way he could possibly have done it and so and from there it's essentially a case is a it's follows a true story of how they went from there and how they managed to get this guy his freedom back that is that's what and i and as i said i feel like if you've seen marshall you've seen this film when the seals you've seen this film if you've and if we even get onto the go on to like the fictional ones like to kill a mockingbird or, or time to kill i was going to mention to me the cop but there's a gene hackman film isn't there 
about, and that's based on a tree. Yes. Is it called The Klansman? Mississippi Burning, I think. Mississippi Burning, that's yeah. the one, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a great film as well. That's yeah. a really good film. So, so the thing... That's where... Yeah, so the thing about it is because this is more about the court case and everything like that. So I feel like I think it's a story that needs to keep being told and you need to keep putting the real life stories or the real life things that these people have gone through. But uh, And I think for that, the film has a lot of value. But as a film itself, I mean, if as a narrative, you feel like you've seen it all before. And it is, which is something which, and I think that that's probably, that probably tells you more about the state of the world that we're in that this just keeps happening, <laughs> that this just yeah. keeps happening and it needs to keep being said and we need to keep talking about it because I have a film that was set in the 50s. We have one that was set in the 80s. We have one that's set in the 90s and the same thing keeps happening. So it's, uh, yeah, and it just tells you like, you know, we for me anyway, what I took away from it is, oh my God, there's such a long way to go because even <laughs> though I'm looking at this film thinking I've seen it before, at the same time, I'm still thinking, but it still needs to be said. So I, yeah. as a film, I would give it a three out of five. Um, even uh, I think the performances are good, but I don't really think that there's much that they can do with it's. It's this is the story. This is what happened. But as I said, mm. it hits a lot of the same beats that it hits in other it hits in other places. But um, yeah, three what's out the of acting five. like? Is the acting good? The is the acting good? The acting is Jamie good. Fox. Yeah, ja- yeah, Jamie Fox, Michael B. Jordan, Rafe Spall. Um, as, um, I just, it's just that Michael, uh, Michael, I was going to say Michael J. Fox for a minute. I know we, we're all getting our names wrong today, don't we? Yeah. But yeah, Jamie, Jamie Fox. I, to me, he's great in some things and then not so good in other things. Yeah, it can vary. Yeah, it varies a lot. I agree. He's really good in this. Oh, good. Yeah, he, he's really good in this. I think uh, I do. Uh, I do think it's a bit linear, but he, he is. He's really good in this. People have been saying people well before. The Oscars came out and whatever the controversy about that, that's for another day. But um, before that, people were talking about, oh, these guys are Oscar worthy. I don't really think so. If I'm going to be no. totally honest with you, I don't think at least the performances are up there. But I think that's partly because of what they have to work with. I mean, it's really, really good for what yeah. they have to work with. But the story is very, very linear. And it's it's kind of like, okay. you know what's going to happen. But anyway, that's it for me. Three stars for Just Mercy. Um Right, and now we go back to Netflix and Friends, and we go to Vienna Blood. And this, like, once again, Sharon, you're like a Netflix person this week. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I think this was when because it won't come as any surprise to anyone who's living in Great Britain at the moment. We've had a lot of rain, and <laughs> raining and gardening don't actually always go well together. <laughs> yes, not when you want to be out there digging, and it's frightful. So I've had a lot of spare time this last month. <laughs> So I've actually, and during the day, especially I've had days off when I'm not, don't normally have days off. So I have had unlimited access to the television and the, the um, now, the now TV and the Netflix box, basically. Yes. And uh, so I have, yeah, been catching up on all my television stuff. But yeah, this is Vienna Blood is actually a BBC drama, so it's available on iPlayer, and I watched it as a download off of the iPlayer, so it is available without having to pay a fee. Okay, cool. For it, and it's well, again, apart from your, I, apart I from your, like Mrs... apart from your television license, we are, apart from your TV yes, license. That's what your, your TV <laughs> license fee, yeah. So it isn't exactly free then. Yeah. Um, so I seem to be like Mrs. Period drama this week, but I must admit that is where I'm drawn to. I do like sort of a non-contemporary drama, even if it's sort of fantasy and stuff. I tend to be that's more my bag. Okay, so Chairman, but I'm not going to just going to quickly go off on a tangent, which you would love and you should listen to, and it's been all this week. You might better catch up on it. But it's all about 
literature quarter to not quarter to Ooh. quarter to ten mm. so from nine o'clock they have like really good stuff on uh, radio for listener but they have all this week for 15 minutes as people and today was about um well women's well it's all about women's but it's all about so you would love it the whole it's been all week all it's right. been all week that's so, worth checking out then yeah yeah you would you would really like that that'd be right so, up the street yeah, so I do like sort of my, my period drama and I do like my fantasy. So that's where I tend to head when I when I have a spare moment. So Vienna Blood is another one of my sort of historical dramas. Uh, this one vampires? is coming back. Vampires, yeah, yeah. But oh. there's no vampires in this one. Okay. This is actually crime, a, a sort of historic crime drama. Right. And it is set in Vienna, as you would imagine, in the early, the turn of the century, so it's early 20th century. So we've gone from, you know, we've, we've covered the sort of the centuries in this, this programme. Yeah. And this is, yeah, early 1900, early 20th century Vienna, and it's the beginning of the, the use of psychology, as in Sigmund Freud, and the, the people were trying to explore the human condition through how the mind works and how some physical conditions are not actually physical they're more mental yeah. and so we see a one our main characters two main characters our first main character is max lieberman who is a student of sigmund freud but he's also a doctor and um, he works in a psychiatric hospital but he's looking at more of what they call the talking cure for these things and he has been asked to assist in the investigation of a crime um with a Vienna police officer, um, basically to to see if there's a psychological reason behind some of these crimes, because some of them don't make sense. Yeah. And the first, and there's three episodes of this Vienna Blood, and each one takes a different crime. And you see, as he sort of, first of all, he just like walks along because he wants to observe um, about what happens in a crime investigation, and can you use the talking court to understand why people do certain crimes? And he meets up with this detective, Oscar Reinhardt, and they become this unlikely sort of duo where they collaborate in the investigation of these three crimes. The first episode is the murder of a medium, a you know, a woman who, and they first of all, they want to find out, is she making it all up? Is she a fraud? And what is behind that? So he's, they try to use his expertise in the psychologist to do that. Okay. The next one is this, the series of brutal murders of a group of women. Um, and then the third one is a story in a set in a boys' school, a military school. Is and so again, you see different aspects of how, yeah, psychology has developed over is, their course of this investigation. Is, mm -hmm. is it like a is it like an early twentieth century um, CSI? I haven't watched that, but oh. yes, it's it's using. It's using more than just a whodunit. It's looking into the so they when they if they arrest a murderer or when they try to find out who the murderer is, they look into the psychology of why they've done it as well as the modus operandi. And uh, so it's it takes a step beyond the just a usual historical crime drama. But I found it really good. I really enjoyed it. I liked the characterizations of them all, and especially one of them, the. Max Lieberman, as you can probably guess by the name, he's uh, is a Jew, and this is the uh, and then all, this is set in Vienna, and it's the begin before the First World War, so it's be you beginning to see the the seeds are sown towards what became the sort of the strong anti-Jewish feeling, yeah. how sort of Jews are demonised and they're sort of discriminated against, and you're beginning to see the rise of things that became the Reich later on, and so it's interesting when we can sort of 
see um, the early well, signs of well, what was later become. Yeah. So I really enjoyed it, actually. The murders are quite gruesome and they're quite graphic. Um, and the depiction of how people are treated for a sort of mental disorders in the early 20th century are just horrific. And so we're jolly glad that we don't get committed for, you know, being traumatized and having yeah. stress. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yes, it's the two characters. I thought they you know, were really interesting. You get to see their lives. You get to see a bit about them. So it's a sort of more of a fleshed out drama, and it's unlikely duo. But no, I found it engrossing and enjoyable and an entertaining watch. How many stars? I would give it a high three. High Again, three. a high three. High three. Ooh, Sharon stingy this week. <laughs> all right cool all right cool and now we're gonna rush we're gonna rush ahead and we're gonna see if we can do the rest of these things in three minutes each and uh, yeah that's it no more no more <laughs> no more what are we what? gonna do okay so no, we... yeah no more than three minutes that's no it. more than three minutes <laughs> yeah. all right cool because you guys have to you guys have to head to the to the quiz so now yeah. we're gonna go into seaburg well, you can talk about seaburg okay so seaburg, seaburg. this i'm guessing this is about G- jean is it gene or jean seaburg Jean. Jean. Jean Seaburg. Actress, really famous in the um, uh, New Wave Cinema in France. You know, she was really popular. She made a couple of movies. Sharon called the movie because we went to see this together. Yeah. Um, yeah, Sharon. Sharon. I know her about, from. But, um, whoa, 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 whoa. What is that? There you go. We've, we've even got, we've even got some, some music to bring. Yeah, Moment. That was a yeah, dramatic moment. I knew her from Peggy Wagon. Yeah, Peggy Wagon, I know. It's like, oh, well, wow. because they didn't actually say Peggy Wagon. They just said, oh, the Western movie. Yeah, and musical. Yeah, the Western okay. musical Western. And, and I said, oh, it's a musical Western, musical Western. And then Sharon said, paint your wagon. And it's like, oh, yeah, of course. Um, so you paint. Anyway, basically, but she has, she supports the um, Black Panther movement and she supports some civil rights groups. And the FBI get wind of this. And so they just totally tried to destroy her, to defame her, to, you know, every possible thing they could do. They spread lies about her. They, I mean, I didn't know very much about, about, I'd heard the name. I'd heard the name. But I certainly didn't, I wasn't aware of the events. No, at the I wasn't film. aware of the events of the, of, of, you know, what went on with the, the relationship she had with, um, you know, that, that, that yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Minute and a half. So the Black Panthers, other people, yeah, and it's just like a, it's like a yeah. hatchet job, you know. Okay, let's find. She's been, yeah, the, the FBI targeter, and from that moment on, they do everything they can to discredit her, to to undermine her, and then also to try to destroy her mentally as well. They, For sure, yeah, they, they, oh, wow. they almost they like wage this sort of psychological warfare on her. Really nasty, really nasty stuff. Well, she's sort of even though they can see that she's basically having a complete breakdown and other events happen they don't let up at all they're no. just relentless in their pursuit of her because they regard her as being like like the communists were in the 50s they regard her as being an enemy of the state effectively yeah. they they weren't having any of it were they no, no they weren't not at all it was all very much um very much they weren't having it <laughs> okay so so yeah. uh, i'm gonna have to ask a couple of questions because we have about 40 seconds allocated right okay go so Kristen stewart plays jane seaberg good yeah yes Okay. Yes, I thought she was good. All right. Not perfect, and I didn't think she looked much like her, um, really. But no, no, she was very good. She just played it convincingly. She did. I looked at some pictures actually when I got got in, and and, yes, I did and there are a few where she she looked similar. I thought similar, but like you say, not. It's all the haircuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They the got haircut. the haircut right. Yeah. So, so the main thing about this film is just about um, what the 
the persecution of Gene Seberg for having yes. for having political views, quite frankly. And, yes. and other things, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the fact that she had this interracial relationship as well, oh. they seem to target her more particularly than they probably would a man, man in the same situation. Yeah, definitely. They, obviously, they just yeah. went all out for her. Yeah. The fact that she's a Hollywood actress and she had an affair with a black man. Mm. They were like, well, you know, she's obviously degenerate. Yeah. yeah, it didn't actually. When I looked, when I did the research, it didn't actually say that. No, it that doesn't, was, say, it doesn't yeah. say. It doesn't say that she. But I mean, so that might have been a bit of okay. a bit of Hollywood. Okay. 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 Yeah, that that's the thing. Wait, it doesn't. It doesn't say that she was in a relationship. So you reckon that was just sort of like put on by Hollywood? Well, I think I that she was, but well, she I think was, it was she... private okay. because oh. they 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 spread all sorts of rumors about it. But yeah. there's some elements of of truth in that. Yeah. So, yeah. so unfortunately, I know we've had to rush through that. But how many stars would you give that? I'll give it a three. Yeah, I'll give it a three as well. Definitely, definitely a three. All right. Yeah, so, I, I enjoyed it actually quite a lot. You know, I, I, it was it was pretty good. It was quite interesting because I didn't know nothing about it. I'd heard the name and I knew nothing about it. Yeah, I knew some facts about her. I knew her some early, and I knew how at the end of her story, but I didn't know this bit in the middle. Right. All right. Okay, cool. Now, I've got to let you guys go, but quickly before we go, to make this thing even, I'm going to talk about BoJack Horseman Season 6. Now, BoJack mm -hmm. Horseman, we've spoken about this on the show before because, Sean, you sort of like stumbled across this on Netflix. And, I did, yeah. And you mentioned at that time that it was the kind of thing that you just kept watching. You watch one episode and just watch the next one. And before you know, you finish the season. And it is, it, yeah. it, just, it just sort of like sucks you in. And BoJack Horseman yeah. is the kind of show that I find it hard to say what makes it good, but I know it's awesome. I know it's a brilliant <laughs> show. I know it's a brilliant show. It is it is one part sort of like, you know, satire of Hollywood. It is one part talking about the human condition, even though almost everybody in it is an animal. It is and it just uh, but I feel it does this whole thing of being really really funny, being very satirical, but also being very very human. And it's a bit like uh, I guess it's a bit like talking about the detectorists where um uh Sharon you were talking about how much you think it's yeah. amazing. And I remember I remember how um, when uh, Nina's husband Will was trying to explain to me, he was just kind of like it's funny, but it's human and it's ah oh, I don't I don't know. And I think I think <laughs> I, I think I feel a little bit like that about Bojack Horseman. It is animated, so Sharon, I know you might have to sort of grit your teeth, yeah. but if you did, <laughs> if you did, it's a very very good show and season 6 just carries on. And I am actually really, really surprised that they've kept the quality up this long. I'm really surprised that the quality has, ca has carried on for six seasons. It is still really, really good. And there's still, there's still episodes where you go, oh, my God, they didn't do that. There's episodes where it, 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 it does things like uh, talk about working mothers in Hollywood. It talks about, And the whole arc of, Bo of season six is Bojack Horseman becoming more of, is becoming more of a human, even though yeah, he is a horse. But he's he's becoming more of a human. He's becoming more like you know empathetic, and he's becoming he's beginning to realize that the destructive Hollywood lifestyle that he's lived up to this point might not be the best way. Might might not have been the best for him. And even though that sounds very much like you know a hallmark movie of the week, and it sounds very sort of like Lifetime, and it sounds very sort of twee, the way this show does it, the way this show actually is somebody packing up a bag in the background. That's me. I'm just doing a zipper. Yeah, I can just I'll hear like my flies I can just hear like a zip going up, or like I just hear like something being chucked in. It's kind of like, mm -hmm, yeah, 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 yeah. Bye. <laughs> but anyway, so anyway, the way they do his like his rehab journey and everything like that in this is actually really, really, really well done. It is so well handled and it's believable. That's the great thing about this show is that no matter how absurd it gets and no matter how far it gets, 
all of the emotions are always believable and that's why bojack horseman is one of my favorite animated things of all time even Wow. Possibly about because you are a bit of an animation fan, aren't you? Well, yeah, I'm t- when I'm talking about TV series, it's probably one of my favorite ones. <laughs> yeah. Possibly even a- above The Simpsons in its good years. But it's I-, I just think what they do with this show is magical. And um so I would give this a four out of five for Bojack Horseman season wow. six. All right, good, cool. Good. That puts us to the end. And all that's left to say is guys, guess what? Guess who won this week? Netflix or cinema, Netflix or cinema, who won? Who won? Netflix. Cinema. Netflix, I reckon. <sighs> Well, one of them got 3.5 and one of them got 3.4. Oh, I think with the five scores for 1917, I think cinemas picked it. But I could be wrong. Unfortunately, Sharon, you are wrong. Netflix just pipped it. Netflix just pipped it. Netflix Netflix was trailing behind. It was was trailing behind until I went and gave Bojack Horseman a four. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My my Vienna blood and my, my what was the other one? I've lost it already. Well, bonfire of destiny. Bonfire of destiny. Bonfire of destiny. They were they were borderline fours, so yeah. they, that would have been more decisive for the next one anyway. Yeah. Um, you were harsh this week, both. I was a bit harsh. You were, you were, you were harsh. I thought I'm going to give everything a four otherwise, yeah. so I thought no, I'm going to have to be a bit more discriminating. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that was me with like that was me fours. with like Seaberg. I mean, yeah. I was I was then I thought now I can't because I've been too generous today. Well, that's until I go and see Bombshell and give it a four. But anyway. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right. And, okay. Um, all that's left to say is a goodbye from me. A goodbye from me. And a goodbye from me. We will see you next week. Now, you guys fly. Fly, you fools. Go yeah. to the quiz. Oh,